did Jason Orange leave to join you, Kip? Which is the sexiest bird named Cock Robin or Blue Tit? Do you have some feedback for us about Billy Joel? Well, tell us about it. Tell us all your crazy feedback. (laughs) Because uh, since we answered a question about the meaning of the white bread world lyric in Uptown Girl last episode... What a mystery that uh, is. We have been besieged by your feedback. We didn't start the fire, folks, uh, but we are getting a lot of it. (laughs) What a river of dreams. (laughs) Uh, Norbert, in the middle of the night, sent us this email. He says, uh, I think you've analysed the Billy Joel line about white bread in a very British, social class-centric manner. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is where our foreignness perhaps creeps in because I'm not American. I cannot understand necessarily all of the bread-based idioms that Billy Joel was deploying. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's right, but let's hear him out. Okay. He says, here in America, describing something as white bread simply means it's boring. Uh, it's not a reference to something posh. So a white bread world is simply a boring world. So different. Uh, the same term might be used by a city person to describe white bread suburban life or by the working class to describe boring middle class living. Now, I don't think we are projecting the British class system on this uh, because Billy Joel is a mechanic in the video to Uptown Girl. Mm-hmm. It's quite yeah. clear she's from a classier background than he is. That's the point of the song. Yeah, the now, whole song's about that. Yeah, no. He may be doing very well for himself. I'm not casting any shadows over that. Especially if it's a woman coming in, he can overcharge her. You know, he's done very well. He's from an immigrant family and all the rest. All I'm saying is, it is clear there is a point of upscale differentiation in the song. So I don't think it is just a case of saying she's from a boring place. Thank you for defending me, Ollie. Thank you. With your big words. No, you're welcome. Uh, Well, in happier Billy Joel news, (laughs) it's an email from Adam from Yorkshire who says... I only just realised from listening to Answer Me This episode 298 that Billy Joel and Billy Joe Armstrong are completely (laughs) different people. Wow. I always thought that it was Billy Joel who sang in Green Day. Goodness. (laughs) Hard to imagine the two ever meeting. I can't imagine that Billy Joe Armstrong would see the funny side of this. (laughs) But I reckon Billy Joel would. So which uh, of those two artists is the Michael Jackson song about? Oh, Martin, that's (laughs) terrible. My name's Duncan Mason. Helen and Ollie answer me this. I'm eating my breakfast and I'm looking at my jar of golden shred marmalade and it says it has 454 grams in it. Very few of our listeners ever call us at breakfast time. Yeah, they mostly call us at three in the morning when yeah. they're wending their way home drunk. <laughs> yes. Bright and early, fresh, feeling observant. Yes. Look, reading his jar. <laughs> Why would you have such a specific number of grams? Why wouldn't you round it down to 450 grams? The simple truth, Duncan, is that 454 grams is the metric equivalent of an imperial Pound. Ah. It's the fault of the empire once again. So it's actually a throwback to uh, the glory days of marmalade. When the sun never set on a jar of English marmalade. <laughs> yeah. You would think, though, now that they've largely ditched the uh, pound measurement for common goods in mm. supermarkets, that they would just then sell 450 gram jars of things. They don't update it, do they, when they're paraphrasing Shakespeare? They don't say, oh, Rupert Murdoch, he just wants his 454 grams of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> but they should. You know, to bring it into the modern day. Uh, well, here's a question from Joe in Seattle who says, Helen, answer me this. Do you happen to know anybody in the greater Seattle area who might have a stationary bike they'd like to part with? I don't, Joe. No, it's quite I easily don't. answered, that one, isn't it? But uh, I'm happy to turn this part of the podcast out to be 
an audio classified ad is is there anyone listening in the greater seattle area maybe in tacoma maybe in everett (laughs) maybe in ballard maybe in redmond maybe even as far out as uh, snoqualmie falls does anybody have a stationary bike which i believe is an exercise bike in our english parlance that joe can have because he cannot be bothered to go on craigslist or as they call it in the states craigslist (laughs) idiots people were asking us a few months ago they were making us slag off um american pronunciations and i Mm. forgot that the way that americans pronounce the name craig Mm. to rhyme with egg troubles me (laughs) so weird isn't it egg when martin and i were driving through north new mexico uh, on holiday earlier this year we were listening to local radio stations Mm. and there was one where people were calling in and reading out their small ads stuff they were getting rid of or stuff they needed fantastic i thought this was quite fantastic fun radio they just spaffed the idea because people would just call up going yeah i've got a bedhead i need to get rid of and someone's like okay well if you want jemima's bedhead then call this number you want the story discussion you want want the person that they tied to the bedhead who then died because they couldn't get them out of the handcuffs in time and that's why they're getting rid of it that's right yeah don't you like it's a radio is all about stories isn't it helen yeah i thought i'd love to make that podcast where it's, it's about the sad stories behind classified ads but someone else can because I uh, can't be bothered. Yeah. Uh, here is a question from Claire from Middlesbrough who says, Ollie, answer me this. Whatever happened to the programme Points of View? Hmm. I used to really enjoy it as a kid. It sounds like a Points of View letter, doesn't it? <laughs> why, oh, why, oh, why? What, oh, what, oh, what happened to Points of View? <laughs> Terry Wogan's sarcastic comments were actually his best material. Is she thinking of Eurovision? I don't remember Terry Wogan being on Points of View. Until Googling it just now, I had no idea that Terry Wogan had hosted Points of View either. Was but... it a generational thing? Maybe Claire is from an earlier viewership of Points no, of View? No, later. Oh, whoa! Um, because uh, I think you'll agree with me that in our um, have-to-watch-BBC-One because there's nothing else on but we're too young to go out and too old to watch kids tv yeah and phase. crime watch is not on yet <laughs> yeah it was Anne robinson who was helping yes. points of view yeah. yes that was our terry woken but after her it was woken for a decade i had no idea whoa when uh, did it stop being on then well this is the extraordinary thing it didn't it's still uh, so on. It's, it's obviously only of interest to people when they're about 14 uh, but <laughs> or it is 90. still on <laughs> uh, it's never stopped so uh, who's, who's presenting it jeremy vine Wow. Yeah, ah. safe pair of hands. Well, he's snarky like Anne Robinson. Yes, Where's exactly. Terry Wogan? He's the blip, tone-wise. Anyway, it's still on. It's made by BBC Northern Ireland, inexplicably, like all BBC devolution. Uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> recent complaints include, uh, are mastermind questions too male? These are questions wow. that we could tackle. That's yes. a great question. Uh, is songs of praise too white? Uh, as if they're going to feature uh, gospel choirs every week. <laughs> these are brilliant questions. Uh, can, we, can we hijack their feet? And are there too many American experts... <laughs> I, think, I think they mean specifically on BBC News. I'd have to ask an expert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the hell to dumb down the American educational system? <laughs> uh, but what I don't like about points of view, if I may have a point of why, view about oh points why, of view, oh why. <laughs> uh, is that the only people in the audience that they portray as having had an opinion and got in touch with the programme mm-hmm. are people who are actually quite sane and have a cogent point to make. Uh, I mean, as a person who runs a phone-in radio show... Mm. Do you find that the average interactor with things, and no offence to you out there, answer me this question is, Mm. but are they necessarily the most sober, sombre, sound of mind person? Well, this is it. You know, looking through the points of view mailbag, as they probably called it 20 years ago, 80% of the people in that mailbag would be, like, enjoyably nuts. Like, if you did a show that was actually about the feedback that you received um, and actually interviewed someone seriously about why you wrote in, you know, in green ink stereotypically to say that the newsreaders should, I don't know, be wearing a pirate hat when they're talking about the Royal Navy or whatever it is. If you actually interviewed that person straight to camera, it would be really interesting because as a viewer, you'd be thinking, hmm, 
what what is this man's mental illness i'm guessing uh what is it that's happened to them that's made them like this why are they angry about this story um whereas when you watch it it just it's a lot of people who actually are quite reasonable and that's very boring damn it, damn it. maybe they simmer them down beforehand well it's all set up isn't it like at the moment they now have um like vlogs of viewers that supposedly viewers sent in so like talking mm-hmm. to a video saying why on the episode of blue peter dated da 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 mm-hmm. and it's supposedly like filmed in their garden or in their kitchen and you Can't know see the manacles though can you well you know watching it that the quality is too high for that particular 84 year old to have filmed this on an ipad and sent it in so you know that actually what's happened behind the scenes is someone's called the line then a researcher's listened to all the phone calls found the one that didn't sound completely nuts yeah and then probably spent a week getting in touch with them getting a camera down there yeah. maybe even a crew to yeah. make it look like they filmed something that's just all very contrived. It's not the real voice of the audience at all, is it? Unbelievable. Yeah. I seem to remember that on point of view. They used to, while they were reading the, the, the voice of the, the, the writer, mm. they'd have a shot of the letter that the person had written in. Yes. And presumably if that had, you know, drawings of jizz and cocks and, and uh, skeletons, that would be a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> That they had been tailored and edited by the uh, production team. It's all about where you crop, though. I mean, I yeah, know from yeah. some of the text messages I get whilst I'm on live radio, they'll start with a perfectly reasonable point. Uh, you know, what you're missing about this debate is, uh, you know, you're not mentioning people who are unemployed under the age of 25, and then you're about to read it, and then it will yeah. fin- finish with the name of the person. Paul from Maidenhead, P.S., you are Zionist scum. That kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, going so well like, until Maidenhead. Or like, um, why aren't you mentioning 9-11? That kind of thing. Like, yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah. wow. Where did, Wow. You know, and they've written it like it's just normal text message. Like that's yeah. just what you'd put. Well, back when I was secretary on the BBC News, uh, one of my favourite jobs was filtering the newsreaders' posts. That was a real treat because you would get a lot where there were declarations of love, but also swastikas drawn on them and yeah. stuff like that. When the Daily Mail reports on complaints to the BBC about a particular programme, and they say, "Oh, eight hundred and eighty people wrote in to complain," what they don't say is what proportion of those letters had swastikas on them. Because then you could Damn, discount them, they? couldn't you? It's probably as high as 50% of them were complete weirdos. So you need like a mass Godwin filter or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that was me back when I was a temp in 2003. I was that Godwin filter. If you've got a question, email your question. To answer me at this podcast, Time for a time for a Toby, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a Toby. Let's see which Toby is behind the Toby curtain. <laughs> Will it be Jug or Anstis? <laughs> <laughs> it's Maguire for the fifty-fourth week running. It's actually in Cheshire. Oh, uh, who says? I heard a thing on the radio this morning about an ambulance stopping for a hitchhiker when rushing a patient to hospital. Sounds like bullshit. It does, doesn't it? Although it sounds like the kind of story that would make the news if it really happened, so... I heard a thing on the radio about a helicopter stopping to pick up a hitchhiker. It wasn't an air ambulance, it was just a helicopter. That's quite a big distinction. It's still a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Where the driver was like, well, I saw him and I just thought, I'll land in this field. And I went down there and I was like, get in. What if you're scared of flying? Then it's embarrassing. I'm scared of helicopters, but someone's gone to that effort of landing a helicopter. You just have to go in. You really do. yeah, yeah. I used to hitch all over Europe back in the day, alone, with friends, with a girlfriend. Until she was murdered. <laughs> and I had some really good experiences and only one dodgy one. A five foot one French trucker with a serious BO issue and a glad eye for a tanned young man. Why does his height matter? Uh, so, Helen, I suppose he's just painting a picture, really. Okay, yeah. You know. Filling in some detail. If yeah, he'd exactly. been a five foot nine man, i.e. of average height, 
don't think it would be any more sinister. But it won't be a bit more intimidating if he was a big guy. Yes, yeah, so I suppose that's the point. Yeah. A slight Frenchman yeah. posed <laughs> less physical threat than a giant Frenchman would have. Yes. So, Helen, answer me this. Is it the fear of sexual assault? Yep. The unwillingness of young people to speak to strangers? Yep. Higher disposable income? Yep. Or something else that has virtually wiped hitchhiking from our slip roads and byways? Well, yeah, kind of all of those things. Mm. I think probably the chances of being murdered as a hitcher are relatively small, but it only takes a few terrifying films and a few serial <laughs> killers like Fred West to select some of their victims that way yeah. to make it a far less appealing option. But also, mm. Hitchhiking's peak was in late 60s, early 70s, when mm. uh, young people were a force to be reckoned with, but they were also like, hey man, communal experience, mm. and not a lot of money, and cars were far more expensive then. Mm. Far more women had driving licences after the liberation movement in the 70s, so that upped the driving population immediately. There were more public transport options, and flights became cheaper. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if I was to answer this question in one word, megabus. I mean, you can now mm. go from one end of the country to the other for six quid. Yeah. If you could pay for a ticket and do it cheaper than if you hitchhiked the whole journey along, what yeah. would be the point? And a free muffin. And remember when flights... And a free muffin? Apparently on Megabus Gold. Fuck me! Yeah. They think of everything, don't they? And Wi-Fi. How is any other coach company still in business, Megabus? Because they're basically knackered old 1950s double-deckers. Yeah, and obviously clearly uncomfortable and full of chavs. But still, free muffin! <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in America, um, after the 60s, the interstate highway system took over as like the major road routes, and those were strictly patrolled and you weren't supposed to hitchhike on them mm. but people still do don't they in other parts even of europe it's just yeah. it's just really in western europe where it's just not a thing anymore yeah in iceland there were loads and i think in a lot of countries it's it's really common on our american road trips we've seen a lot of hitchhikers mm. but haven't really been inclined to pick any up because as the driver you're just as in danger from the hitcher and also you have to make chat that's the main reason yeah that's the thing i just can't be asked with if if, if they could say on their poster the kind of music they like listening to as well as the destination yeah. they were going to i'd be all right with it yeah you whether know. they want to listen to our jane lynch audiobooks with us yeah ha- happy to hear broadcasting house going to bath that yeah. would be fine i'd be fine yeah. with that i just don't want to actually have to talk to them because i want to yeah. listen to broadcasting house i think also now the internet has opened up ways to organize your hitchhiking before you go so things like lift share and craigslist yeah you, you don't have to go and stick your thumb out and hope that a non-murderer picks you up mm. you can find someone whose details are already committed to a public forum and uh, trust them a bit more maybe but there's always going to be a risk isn't there putting yourself forward i guess if you're a sensible hiker you you do it with another person at least so that there's two of you do you think a lot of people as well now they have a destination in mind they don't necessarily want the serendipity of being picked up by somebody and taken to somewhere that might be near where they need to go or might mm. not from what I understand, it happens much more frequently outside of England. So within England, yeah. it's... England's it's, too small to make it worth the bother, but then transport's very expensive here. And people are scared. So like yeah. in the southeast, it hardly ever happens. Apparently in the north, it happens a bit. Mm. And in Scotland and Wales and Ireland, it happens a lot more. Which kind of makes sense. I get that. Like in rural places, if you saw someone with a sign who's obviously not a threat and it's wet outside, you'd think, oh, I'll give them a lift. But what I've thought, say in, in the USA... Martin and I have driven across what's called the loneliest road in America in Nevada. It goes right across Nevada. There are only about three towns on it and they're spaced really far apart and there's fuck all else there. So to see a hitcher in the middle of one of the stretches between the towns of like 100 miles more, you think, how did they get here? And why are they carrying a spade? (laughs) (laughs) But where was the person who dropped them off here going Mm. that they weren't going to? Because apparently hitchhiking is quite common where people are going to ski resorts. They want a lift up and then they're going to ski down the mountain. Yeah. But if it's just a road going yeah. hundreds of miles with nothing else happening but road... Did yeah, they, and did also, they, how like, do you kick someone out of your car? Like, even if you're a trucker, 
you know, if someone's getting on your nerves, if they keep discussing politics or singing over the radio. Yeah, you wait for them to need to have a piss at the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you could do that. Yeah. yeah. That's a good tip, actually. That's not the question that Toby was asking, but it's a good answer to that question. How do I get rid of a hiker that's pissing me off? Have you ever considered picking up a hitchhiker? Every time I go past one. Really? I think you'd be oh, inhumane not nice. to consider it. That's nice yeah. of you. Yeah, I, I'm the same. But the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, I run, I run it through my brain and I think, well, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah. Murder. Yeah. yeah. The worst that could happen, they could stab me. Not worth it. <laughs> Not worth it. So that's why I don't do it. I think uh, I think I've uh, been with my dad when we picked up hitchhikers. Your dad just likes making friends. Yeah, like not for a very long time, mm. but just short distances. In the Midlands. Yeah, yeah. You see, I think it is more common. Could you take me to Kidderminster, please? I think it's more common outside the southeast because you think, well, what possible reason would you want to go to Kidderminster <laughs> unless you had a genuine cause? The carpet capital of the West Midlands. There's no deception going on here. In the in the sixties and seventies, I think the people that were picking up the young people who were hitchhiking supported their countercultural revolution. Yes, and they were like, yeah, I should share my privilege of car and petrol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm having a hard time with my husband at the moment, but at base, I'm like you. I'm young. Yeah. Right. But now, I think even someone like me who is still relatively young, in my early 30s, I'm driving along and I do have a more right-of-centre approach to a hitchhiker. I see them and I think, <laughs> just get a car, get on a bus, it's not that difficult. What is, why are you just so special? Just stay where you were. Just, you know, if you're going to go to that place, spend £2 on the bus ticket, don't freak out old people, don't put yourself in danger. You know, I, I make a judgement on them. I don't think, hey, I'm like you, I'm young and free. I think... Just get on the bus. Stop it's presumptuous of you to think the world owes you something. Yeah, I do kind of think that. I do think, though, that for women, it seems like uh, More something. Of a risk. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I just think that it's very hard to escape that idea. And also, if you did get murdered, people are like, well, what was she thinking? Getting hitchhiking. Yeah. Vict- there would be a lot of victim blaming going they on. Would. There. They certainly would, yeah. And, mm. and it would be sort of right. I mean, you are aware, aren't you, when you put yourself up for it? It's a, it's a way of saying I'm available to be murdered. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I'd either like to go to my destination or be murdered. 50-50. <laughs> and now it's time for the intermission. Brought to you today by episode 131. Available now, along with all our vintage episodes, at AnswerMeThisStore.com. I've been trying to think of famous Marys, <laughs> and I can't. Mary Bell, the girl that killed a baby when she was 12. Yeah, not really what I was looking for. <laughs> I was thinking, well, who's a glamorous Mary these days? Considering Mary Magdalene and Mary Queen of the Scots. Mary's peaked too soon. Mary's, damn it. <laughs> there were big Marys back in the day. Big Marys. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays, there aren't any... Who's where? Who's representing the Marys? What about, what about, what about Merry Christmas? Oh. <laughs> Here's a question from Joe from Birmingham who says, Ollie, answer me this. Does the Pope get paid a regular wage? Or, because he's presumably going to be the big P-man for the last few years of his life, does he not get paid, but provided other things, such as accommodation? Pope is a freeloader, isn't he? Well, it's quite hard to negotiate a salary with the Lord. If your direct line manager is God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is difficult. It's a difficult... I mean, Moses gave it a go. He was like, Ooh. what, you want me to slap all the way to the top of a mountain just to get a top ten? Again? Are, are you kidding? Smite you down, Moses. But exactly. At the end of the day, God's got that power, hasn't he? So you're going to say, all right. It's a pretty aggressive sort of yeah. negotiation, though, isn't yeah. it? Also, it's a family business, isn't it, when you're looking after yeah, Jesus? Yeah, you can't go and talk to the... The second in command. It's a good thing Pope doesn't have to negotiate paternity leave. <laughs> he wouldn't get anywhere. Uh, but despite the fact that the Pope, no, does not get a wage, um, for he all doesn't. the reasons that you'd expect, uh, as in, you know, he's devoted his life to, to service and it's essentially a charitable institution, the Vatican. I just don't think if all of your ceilings are gold, you're a charity. <laughs> despite that, uh, although the Pope doesn't get paid directly, uh, on his death, um, they chuck some coins into his coffin. 
what use are they there? I know, pointless. Does he get any stocks? No, just the coins. You get uh, three bags containing gold, silver and copper coins, um, containing one coin for each year of your reign. Mm. And that is your monetary compensation. It's basically Christmas stocking money. I think what they're saying is don't become a pope for the money. Well, so what point do you stop getting paid? Do cardinals get paid? Do bishops? Because oh, I mean, if you're like a local Catholic priest... Yeah, then you get paid, yeah. Yeah, because you have to go and do your own shopping and stuff. But yes, exactly. Does that... So the Vatican pays the Pope's expenses... Yeah, so if, if if the Pope wants a book off Amazon, they'll pay for it. Not a problem. <laughs> pope should buy local. <laughs> it's not like the Pope is going to ratchet up that many expenses, is it? Someone else is going to launder all of his bright white robes. Someone else is paying for the Pope mobile, petrol and upkeep. He's got the Vatican to live in. He's not doing badly, is he? He's, he doesn't want for much. I was wondering, mm. though, what about someone like the Dalai Lama, who's supposed to be a lot less attached to the material things than and, and yet, the head of the Catholics is meant to be? Does a lot of conferences. Goes around the world effectively doing public appearances, doesn't he? And I, I bet he's getting put up in a nice hotel. The Dalai you know Lama? I mean? yeah, yeah, but it can't be too nice, because that would almost seem to be like you didn't understand who you were putting up. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Where do they put the Dalai Lama? Because not Claridge's. But not the Travel Lodge. Exactly. And I, re- in. I, re- I think you'd put him up in like the Hilton Park Lane, but like Ooh, like a five-star hotel that isn't showy. Okay, somewhere minimal but cushy. Yeah, right. exactly, yeah. When visiting dignitaries from countries that we don't necessarily entirely support mm. come to attend like negotiations, mm-hmm. apparently, almost always, they get put up in really nice hotels. So like the president right. of Afghanistan... Uh, Karzai at the time of recording uh, got put up in uh, in Claridge's and um, we didn't pay for all of it um, I think his government paid for something like six of his entourage and we paid for the other six. Oh, geez did they all get to have fancy tea well <laughs> see the details but with that you do just kind of think like of course you wouldn't expect the president of Afghanistan to be put up in, in you know in, in the travel lodge but equally there's got to be some middle ground there hasn't it also the rooms are quite small in Claridge's because it's an old building it's just like Bad taste, really, isn't it? When you know that you're coming to discuss, you know, the, the poverty of your nation. Maybe there it doesn't should, feel right. Maybe there should be an expensive but sombre hotel for yeah, visiting yeah, yeah. dignitaries <laughs> yes. on sad missions. The Melmaison, that's all black, ha- isn't it? Yeah, but it's got wacky chairs. Decadent wacky chairs. <laughs> Arabic leaders like wacky chairs. Look at Gaddafi, loved them. Yeah, but they, they probably want the gold. They'd probably rather a, a vulgar hotel that hasn't really been done over since yes. the glory days of the 80s like up near the Edgware Road or something yeah there's probably quite a few of those aren't they that look yeah. vulgar and lot, actually don't cost that much yeah a lot of curtain valances that kind yeah. of thing tassels like the, the thing they really wouldn't want was like a Hampton by Hilton yeah or something Hempel. new that yeah. was just like you know where comfortable bar- yeah where you don't appear to have any cupboards because they're all just panels with no handles yeah. do you think they ever have to Airbnb it like if you're from like a tiny little country, they have to couch surf. Has no, has no budget. If, if you're from Burundi, <laughs> just get to stay in someone's treehouse. Here is a question from Paul, who is 35 and from Manchester. In case you're wondering, and he says, "I love those springy things in kids' playgrounds. <laughs> the ones where there's a big coiled spring sticking into the ground with some sort of animal or vehicle you can ride on top of it." Yeah, I knew what he meant by springy things in kids' playgrounds. Actually, I didn't need the clarification. Well, some people might. Some people might have. Yeah, I'm some just saying. Some people might not hang around playgrounds as much. <laughs> as you but ollie answer me this what are these apparatuses called wikipedia says they are spring riders but that's a shit name they must have a better one <laughs> sounds oh. like a tarantino film doesn't it spring riders mm. it could be a western it sounds to me a bit more like it's a second rate young adult one mm. so like down from hunger games even down from divergent spring rider mm. could it be set on spring break 
you've got four like teenage girls but they're not really teenagers they're like preteen they're just having their first ever spring break and they're a bit young for it and then they go and discover uh horse riding no it would be set after nuclear winter so it'd be nuclear spring uh-huh. and uh four 16 oh. year olds were finding themselves and also doing a fight but you'd have to put some credible acting talent in to hook the olds uh who would you have philip Seymour hoffman's not available anymore well if you're talking teenagers you'd probably have one of the fannings yeah, yeah, but you've got an old... There's always an older person oh, to legitimise it. Oh, Hurt or do anything nowadays. John Hurt? Yeah. I'm not sure he's in the right category, actually. He turned up in a film set in Norway with aliens in it. Kevin Bacon would probably do Kevin it. Kevin Bacon would do it, William yes. H. Macy? William H. Macy would be perfect. Yes. Yes. Alfred Molina? Probably needs Alfred a bit of money. It's been a long time since Spider-Man. That's such a good call. Alfred Molina is exactly the kind of guy which you know that if you ever saw him on stage doing Pinter, he'd be amazing. Yep. But his name on a film probably means this is shit. Isn't that weird? Or that he's the high point. Like yeah, in yeah. coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Coffee and cigarettes. Him and Steve Coogan is worth sitting through Jack White and Meg White. Mm. A bloody Tesla coil. No, uh, Alfred Molina's absolutely right. Third rate teen movie. Uh, absolutely right. But well done. But remember, anyway, that wasn't the, the question. Remember spring riders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those animals on a spring. And yeah. I like the way that Paul has started from the ground up. Spring then animal, not mm. animal on a spring. Yeah. Which is such a simple way to describe these simple things. Mm. So what are they called? Uh, they are called Spring Riders, okay. yeah. Um, they, they, they do have other names, but they're all a bit shit, Paul, mm. I'm afraid. Uh, they're also known as Playground Springers, uh-huh. uh, Spring Rockers. Spring Rockers is, sounds more fun. Now, that sounds like a really fun film. Uh, just Rockers, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring Animals, and sometimes Spring Vehicles. The trouble with Spring Animals is that could mean animals in the springtime. Like lambs. Yeah. I think the, the names aren't supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be descriptive. It's, it's almost as if the people who work in council acquisitions for playground furniture aren't the same people who have the fun riding them. I thought they were called bouncy animals or something like that. Bouncy is a more fun word, isn't it? Bouncy to me indicates clearing the ground. Ugh. Whereas they are on a spring. I think it's important that the word spring is involved. They're more pendulous, aren't they, rather than like a bouncy castle, exactly. which yeah. is like inflatable. You'd think inflatable. Paul supplements his question. He says, who do I have to petition to get some adult-sized ones installed? Local councils are doing everything they can to try and discourage single adults <sighs> from attending children's playgrounds. How many times must I say it? I'd go to the gym if it was more like a playground. <laughs> yeah, you are right on that. Actually, in um, Westo Park, one of the wonderful green spaces in Crystal Palace, mm. there is a log, like a long log with springs at either end. So you can either rock back and forwards if you sit side saddle or you can uh, you know go back and forth like you're on a, a legless horse if you sit astride well an actual tree made log yeah like a not a plastic eight, log no an eight foot tree trunk felled peeled yeah so adults can go on that huh because the trouble with the ones in kids' playgrounds where it's like a, a little horse on a spring is that... You're too when heavy. A, when an adult gets on it, it just straight droops to the ground. straight to the ground. Yeah. You're, you're talking like a man who has struck the ground. <laughs> well, you're going to smash your teeth on the pavement, aren't you? Or, or your arse. At best, as it uh, erects itself again, you're going to inadvertently trap your feet underneath one of the coils, and that would be very painful. You've thought this through. I have. You're a man who would like an adult-sized spring bouncer. That said, there are some that you see and you think, hmm, is that for kids? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when it's mm. Thomas the Tank Engine, yeah, that's for kids. When it's a train that actually looks like an underground carriage, yeah, you know, when it, it's a Vauxhall Astra, yeah, it's <laughs> no, but you do see ones that I've seen ones that look like Japanese bullet trains, like kind of a bit futuristic. Ooh. But that's because a lot of Japanese adult-sized transport is quite childish. Well, children would enjoy it, but they wouldn't enjoy it as much as like a big primary coloured fire truck. Don't you patronise me, Ollie? Because when I was a child, I did not particularly enjoy the spring animal bouncers. What I got far more of a kick out of was rocking chairs, and very specifically my Jewish grandmother's rocking chair, which I was very impressed by because it looked like a normal armchair. Wow. Normal old lady floral armchair, and yet when you got in it, very smooth glide action. 
Did you have a favourite thing in the playground? Were you someone who mm. used to climb reverse up the slide, for example, try and put your own spin on it? Love a bit that, because also when we were young, mm. firstly, playground variety was less. Secondly, mm. hard surface yes, floor. That whole innovation in pavement that is springy, that mm. happened after we were adults, didn't really it? really softened children up, Anyone it? selfish now, aren't they? Because they don't smash their heads open on tarmac. <laughs> Anyone in our generation has at least at some point fallen seven foot straight on tarmac. Yeah, my, my brother, because his head was so heavy, fell off a slide. Because uh, <laughs> it weighed him off the, off the side and my grandparents failed to catch him because they yeah. just stood at the bottom with their hands out even as he was clearly drooping. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, smashed his head and uh, they rushed him to hospital. And apparently he was saved by his abnormally thick skull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Zaltzmans have got resilient heads. That's a good way of of weeding through the genetics, I suppose, isn't it? Making sure only the super strong survive. I sing like an angel, that's what everyone tells me But for some reason record labels won't sell me They say my songs are so crap they can virtually smell me What on earth do they mean? Instead use Squarespace to build a musical empire You can stream and sell your songs and merch through which to inspire Other people to dry their hands singing as you are so dire What do you mean, mate? I'm the new Jesse J Mandem, Mandem Thanks very much to Squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. It's good of you. And thank you for uh, developing websites using Squarespace.com because, uh, well, if you didn't and you didn't use the code ANSWER, I suppose Squarespace wouldn't continue to sponsor the show. So thank you for doing that. And then I couldn't pay my rent. Um, (laughs) So so thank you very much. And no wonder you have been doing that because uh, it's easy to use Squarespace with their drag and drop templates to build beautiful websites. And you can play around uh, with those templates for two weeks for free. And then if you want to pay for the Squarespace service uh, for your web hosting needs, then uh, to get 10% off for a whole year. And a free URL. Use the code Answer. Answer. Here's a question from Rowan from Darlington who says, We've recently been helping to move our elderly granddad from his current home in Berwick-upon-Tweed to a new flat closer to us in Darlington. Whilst packing, we have found over 500 paper napkins taken home from restaurants, 300 packets of individual sweetness. He might get through all of those. Also, a vast array of tea towels. That's better than the other things. Depends how vast. I've got a surprising amount of tea towels for one so young. I reckon we've got about 40. Jesus. Yeah. And I mean, really, at any time we're using two. And we've got a dishwasher. I really like uh, tea towels. I mean, they're, 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 they're a bit boring, aren't we? They're an art, but they're an art print that's actually practical. <laughs> yeah. There aren't many other situations we can have a good, beautiful piece of graphic design that's actually useful for mm. something. Yeah, and Helen, you probably knit a lot of them into dresses, don't you? Actually, I've recently <laughs> made a lot of them into sofa cushions. Look how beautiful our sofa is. Are those from tea towels? Tea towel there. Oh, that's a really good one, yeah. Tea towel there. Anyway, let's imagine ourselves uh, in Rowan's granddad's pile of tea towels. I'm imagining they've got, like, great castles of Wales. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or those ones that kids do at school where they all draw them the self-portrait at the age of three. Yes. Those are quite cute, those, but they're all interchangeable, really, aren't they? Because all children's drawings look the same. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, whenever they're interesting, someone calls a social worker. That's the thing. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just the same. Uh, Rowan continues. Uh, one of these tea towels was a promotional tea towel provided <laughs> by none other than everyone's favourite household item, Rehypnol. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, much like when I was Rehypnoled. So, Helen, oh, answer no! me then. What? We're talking about Rehypnol. Given the number of listeners uh, we have... Many of them will have been subject to some harmful sexual behaviours. Oh, you're, you're right, actually, Helen. I withdraw my comments and apologise for making any joke at all when we're going to be talking about Rehypnol for the next five minutes. Let's, I was totally wrong to do that. Let's add a trigger warning. Yeah. So, Helen, answer me this. 
What was Rohypnol used for? Uh, so Rowan interpreting here that Rohypnol wouldn't have had a promotional detail if they were only used for date rape. Indeed. Uh, and why did Rohypnol require a tea towel campaign? Well, you know, Rohypnol is a very famous drug only for bad reasons. All of Rohypnol's publicity is bad. Yeah, I didn't know. I genuinely didn't know it was a commercially available drug, you know, for yeah. legitimate reasons. Yeah, so maybe they needed something as innocent as tea towels to mitigate the fact that people only ever know it as a date rape drug. Mm, I wouldn't have any tie merchandise that you could smother someone with if I was them. Well, or put chloroform on or yeah. something like that. But then again, it's hard to think of anything that you couldn't, you know, once you start thinking about it too much. It could have been pre that use. Rehypnol, I think, was introduced in Europe in 1975. And I wow, think even, that old. Yeah, I think even then it was misused. Um, well, people probably took it for recreation, didn't they? Like, they yeah. people took all kinds of stuff, like quaaludes and all that kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, I mean... You make it sound like drugs are an old thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when people used to abuse drugs well, recreationally? I just find it really weird when people go, I like a drug that makes me fall asleep for 12 hours and not remember what happened. Grandad, <laughs> tell me about your K-holes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, 70s, big time for quaaludes, Valium, etc. Mm. Maybe the tea towel was just reflecting that trend. It was used a lot as a drug to help you through come downs from uh, other drugs hmm. I mean that's, that's have legitimate idea. commercial use what yeah, would yeah. a doctor have prescribed okay. it for uh, and they still do d- prescribe it for things like severe insomnia because it's, it's a relaxant and a sleeping drug I had no idea a doctor could prescribe Rehypnol unless yeah. they were like Dr. In, in America it is illegal but I think it is legal in 60 countries wow. and that's what it's for amazing um, the danger is when you combine it with alcohol that is when you particularly get the uh, 24 hour blackout problems but in any case all drugs at some point i would say have been uh, uh, fortunate enough to have a promotional campaign lavished upon them because they cost a lot of money to develop yes and in places like america where all doctors are private essentially uh, you are competing to be the brand that the doctor mentions not just the style yeah. of drug and sometimes a pen or a mouse mat just won't cut it a medical trade show still could have happened in the uk couldn't it Perhaps take your this home for Rowan. your lady wife yes <laughs> went to a medical trade show of some description because i being a tech journalist i've gone to some pretty funky tech stalls at, at trade shows and have you ever got a, t- a tea towel uh i haven't had a tea towel but i've had baseball caps and uh things you'd expect like mugs but then yeah, sometimes people USB try and sticks. be novel exactly it starts with usb sticks where does it end i've had boomerangs um, yeah frisbees yeah, 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 yeah. stress toys stress yeah, yeah, yeah. toys no, compact shoe shine things. kits nice i mean just you know anything martin's work has got uh little slices of rock as in the sweet oh, the yeah. colorful sweet with the name of the department through the rock that's good yeah it is good but i mean no one not no one really likes rock do they tea towels are so unsexy I mean, I, yeah, I, but you would keep it, wouldn't you? When you were filtering through the bag afterwards, like, don't need that, don't need that, leaflet, yeah. rubber, whatever. And you'd t- oh, like tea towel, keep Useful, that. and you'd have it for years and years, wouldn't you? Until you threw it away because it was worn out. I had um, a grey sweatshirt when I was a child that I wore to death, and it said Harp Heating on it. <laughs> now, I've never purchased anything from Harp Heating. I don't even know if they're a going concern. Are they, Why um, would they make sweatshirts in child sizes? Are they, <laughs> were they in heating maintenance? No idea. No I, idea. I, I just ended if... up with the sweatshirt. I wasn't interested in the provenance. I just loved that sweatshirt. I wonder. Well, it's working now, isn't it? Free um, advertising for them if they still yeah. exist. What I was wondering about with this Rohypnol tea towel is whether it was a joke tea towel, like the kind of thing that Viz used to sell. No. Because they used to sell things like Little Ted West and uh, T-shirts for junior beer drinkers and stuff like that. Is it likely that Rowan's granddad had such a offbeat sense of humour in his youth? <laughs> well, it could have been the kind of thing that one of the grandchildren bought him uh, in a cheeky fit. <laughs> Maybe. And they also bought him an I like the Pope, the Pope smokes dope t-shirt. And he thought, I do like the Pope. I suppose Rehypnol <laughs> now has such a bad rep. But if you imagine that it said Viagra, 
mm-hmm. then that could be a novelty thing someone might buy. But that also yeah. might be a thing that Grandad is interested in. Mm. <laughs> it would have been more appropriate. After my commute, when I find the time, I can always send a question to the question line. Inquiries are wanted, it's all part of the plan. Holla Helen, or Holly, or Martin, the sound man. from Martha from Kent who says my husband started going to the gym near his office about a year ago and about five months ago I started to really notice the difference it was making wow Blind that's such a long months. time Martha that is why exercise yeah. isn't worth it yeah, <laughs> seven months and your wife didn't notice yeah. well I think he was probably just sitting in the jacuzzi wasn't he for seven no months. I think this is the truth isn't it exercise is a long term project people expect instant mm. results yeah, but then unless it- you're going three times a day and that's your job you won't see the instant results. I don't know. I bet there are people who will dispute that. I'm a Pilates teacher and I can make you into a ballet dancer in an afternoon. Mm. I started doing a bit of exercise. I that's true. Yeah, well, Ma- it's exactly. No obvious difference. Ma- no, that's what? not true. Martin has started doing five pull-ups a day and within that's days... That's a lot, ripped, guys. That's a lot. Ripped. <laughs> well, I thought when Martin started this regime, in seven months' time, maybe I'll have a look at how he's getting on. <laughs> uh, but Martha says, my husband's lost weight and is starting to have really defined arm muscles. Mm, I, I felt like when you read that, that should have been more like a... Really, really defined <laughs> arm muscles. Yeah and why I went evil I am really proud of his hard work and as I have also been regularly running for about a year it's been nice to compare notes and encourage each other Ugh. except for the seven months where you weren't encouraging him Martha loads of my male friends are doing this at the moment they're all doing one of these wearable oh. tech things where I don't know which one it is oh, so I'm not the... trying to avoid promoting a brand I don't know which one it is that, those wristband thingies right? it's, it's Nike or TomTom or one of those things they wear a thing anyway they go for a walk <laughs> And it sinks onto a map and then they can show other people who live in the other end of the county where they've been for a walk. It's not like their walks overlap, but it adds a competitive thing so they can say, oh, well, I did 10 miles yesterday and you did seven. So weird. Well, Martha says, I was checking emails the other day. We have personal accounts and a joint one. I was checking all three as there is invariably some date or event he forgets to tell me about. And this is never an issue. So if you're thinking, oh, Martha's a bit nosy, she has explained that. Mm. Uh, She says, I found an email from a woman called Candice who was giving him a meal plan and joking with him about how he wouldn't tell her exactly how much he drinks. After a bit of Googling, it turns out that this Candice is a very expensive personal trainer. There are so many words that could have come after the word very expensive, (laughs) but I think personal trainer is probably the best of all uh, options. Who is based at his gym, who he has been going to for about six months without telling me. Ah, so that's why she started to notice the first six months of his exercise didn't make a difference, but Mm. the first month of Candice did. Mm. When I asked him about it, he said that his friend had gone to her and he was so impressed with the results that he decided to go to And just not tell you about it. Yeah, he didn't tell me because he knew I'd freak out about the money and he didn't want me to stop him. So Mm. answer me this. Am I right to be a bit pissed off about this lie, the money, and the fact that she is called Chuffing Candice? I don't... (laughs) I don't... What's wrong with Candice? It's a nice name. Candice would probably find it amusing he was married to a woman called Martha, after all. We can't necessarily help our names. She's just called Candice. True, she is obviously getting results, but I can't help feeling like I just want to start hiding loads of melted butter and other high-calorie items in his food just to spite him now. That is not nice, Martha. 
Also, no, fo- focus on the really defined arm muscles indeed. you mentioned in the first paragraph. Yeah, exactly. Martha. Also, the running I do is free. Yes, but Martha, the problem is motivation, isn't it? Some people mm. need to pay money in order to do anything. That's one of the reasons why Weight Watchers works because it incentivizes people to keep at it. Some people want to be shouted at by the person they've paid <laughs> to make them run. Otherwise, they won't run. Clearly, you have found the motivation, but not everyone does. I think, Martha, we're sensing why he didn't tell you from the tone of your email. Um, yeah, you know, people wanted to be a nice surprise as well. I mean, I, I get that he's spending money that technically, as a married couple, you might have spent on each other. Maybe, but, but you... pre- presumably, this is money that he's earned. He's not using your money to pay for his personal trainer. Mm. And if he knew that you'd be pissed off about the money and say no, and he has actually achieved fitness objectives out of it, and now he's told you anyway, where's the harm been, really, Martha? Where's the harbin? He's got his really defined he, arm muscles. He hasn't told her because she found out through uh, the email. No, he told her now because yeah. she confronted him. Yeah, but when was he going to tell? Well, I do think uh, Martha is worried that there is something else between her husband and Candice. I think I, there's an element of that because otherwise I would be like, oh, well, it's great, my husband's muscles up. It's uh, sure it was expensive, but look at the results. If your husband was seeing Wayne. Would that have made a difference to how you oh. feel about this? Is it because she's called Chuffing Candies? Chuffing Candies. <laughs> that actually there's this element of threat there. Because there shouldn't be, because I know that like on Strictly, all of the dancers end up copping off with each other and stuff because oh. they spend a lot of time pressed up against each other. Yeah, with their hands in each other's crotches. But generally, I would say most men wouldn't go for a female personal trainer because that person seen you be really hot and sweaty and like quite unsexy, really. And also there's something probably... A bit shaming to a lot of men they'll be like well everyone's probably always asking candace out well also it depends on your type i mean i don't know what you look like martha but if you don't look like a personal fitness trainer which, well she's been running for a whole year which so. well yeah but without a fitness trainer maybe no difference is visible the point some men don't like that very sporty look you know so even even if you as a woman might think oh well she's going to be a really fit fitness trainer um, chances are he married you so there's no threat on that score but even if he does like that look doesn't mean that there's anything in it no indeed i think you need to simmer down martha i think maybe you should go and meet candace and yes. have, a, have a fitness session yourself yeah. i think your your husband at least owes you that yeah that's a good idea because maybe you're not optimizing your fitness time yeah maybe you have a joint session and ruin his only singular pleasure that he has in his life <laughs> by tagging along well if anyone else uh, wants us to criticize the way they're running their relationship then by all means do get in touch with the podcast yeah although the uh, advice generally stays the same focus on the muscles Yes, it's talking that gets people into trouble, isn't it? <laughs> we also welcome any other questions. And of course, you can uh, you can call, you can Skype, or you can email. And all of our contact details are on our website. Answermethispodcast.com You sounded jaunty there, Ollie. Is it because we are so close to our 300th episode and you're excited? That's the exact reason, Helen, a little bit of pre-com so. came out as well. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. <laughs> well, well, do make sure to come back in two weeks' time for the full shot of come from Ollie. Um, because, yeah, it's going to be an ejaculation for your ears isn't it amt 300 i could not think of a better way to describe it than that except yeah. for all of the ways that are better which is every all other, of them every other way. and uh, but if you are excited about it already why not use the hashtag amt 300 when you're indeed. writing about it on social media yes there's no reason not to so well, just bloody do there's no reason to if you're using lo because that is a ghost town yeah, I think that's that's right, yeah. But if you can't wait that long, then do remember that you can hear 15 bonus hours of Ollie every week, as long as you're <laughs> prepared to stay up all night. That's right, I'm on LBC Monday to Friday from 1 till 4am, you yeah. lucky bastards. By Monday, you mean 1am on Monday 
till 4am on Monday, Correct. not Monday at a civilised time. I host Monday the overnight night. show. Thank you for yes. embellishing that. Yes. <laughs> You're a tired, tired man. Uh, and you can also hear more of Helen uh, on the Sound Women podcast oh, every yeah. month. And you can hear more of Martin on his brand new album. Through Intermittent Rain uh, at martinhorstwick.bandcamp.com And uh, finally, let's just say thank you very much to Squarespace for bankrolling oh, yes. this episode. Yeah, thank Squarespace. you, Squarespace. You're really cool. And we will see you all in two weeks' time. Oh, to be this 300 so excited! Oh. <laughs> Bye! Bye.